to us and Lord, we thank you for that opportunity to offer ourselves afresh to you and to find out and to step more fully into life in all of its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. And uh, as Stephen has said, we're going to make some popcorn to start us, start us off this morning. So we've got some popcorn kernels in here. And uh, we're going to pop it into this uh, little transier cooker and see what the popcorn kernels look like. They're just like little small brown seeds, quite hard, a hard hull on the outside. And we're going to pop some of those in and we're going to see what happens as we go along. Now, we've also got a video if you want to watch it up close. And let's look like, let's see what it looks like at 30,000 frames per second a piece of popcorn popping from a popcorn kernel. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, there, mi there might be some sound there too. Here we go again. Here we go. Who ever thought popcorn could be quite so beautiful? And we could have some real life stuff coming along pretty soon here as well. But isn't it fantastic whenever you get that little, little hard kernel of popcorn and the water in it heats up, it becomes steam, it becomes like a pressure cooker and eventually the hard non-porous hull, the shell can't take it anymore and it explodes and the pop is the water vapor, the steam coming out and it just then transforms into a unique, beautiful piece of popcorn. I'll never look at popcorn the same way again after watching that little video. And we're getting very close. I can tell I'm going to have to do a bit, bit, bit more information here. Did you know that for thousands of years, popcorn has been a food staple? In fact, it was not just one of the five a day. It was practically the food source of the ancient Aztecs. They built their civilization on it. Before they had sweet corn or flowering corn, they had popcorn. And actually, it was really, it was the carbohydrate that they built their empire on was popcorn. So I'm really hoping that we're going to get some popping sometime pretty soon. There's a lot of fizzling going on here. Wow, here we go. We're getting some popcorn coming through now. And it is a beautiful thing. I take my word for it. We've got a lot of popping going on here. You might be able to see some of the, pop, some of the popcorn coming up. We might be able to even catch the old bit, but it could be hot. And what's actually happening here is that the superheated starch, sort of ruin it for a bit of science, is it's liquid and then it solidifies in a moment as it comes in the, into the atmosphere. I'm glad I'm wearing safety glasses this morning. And it just then forms a unique, beautiful, and ultimately delicious piece of popcorn. And for safety reasons, I'm just gonna put that down there now. So isn't it wonderful? what God's creation has given us popcorn and it's being transformed from a little hard brown <laughs> shell, a little kernel. And whenever Jesus was talking about his life and his death, he, he used the illustration of kernels. And he said in John chapter 12, he's talking about kernels of wheat this time. I tell you the truth, I shouldn't have eaten that bit of popcorn. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. This is spiritual reality. Jesus was saying, my death is going to have such spiritual consequence 
that it's going to mean there's going to be spiritual life in thousands, millions, and as we know today, billions of people in the world throughout history because of Jesus' death. And the reason why we're here today is because we, we know or we've heard the fact that in Jesus Christ, there's this spiritual life that is available, that through his death, life has come. See, creation has a problem. And the uncomfortable truth is that creation, for all of its beauty and its complexity, has a deep-seated problem. It has an inherent corruption. There is an ugliness on the beauty of creation. And the Bible uses a little word for it, it's sin. It's such a little word, and quite often we boil it down into just sometimes making poor decisions or doing the wrong thing. But sin actually is a little word that describes a baked-in corruption to to, to the world. And the fact is, it was in us before we were even born. Every child that is born has sin baked in. We have sin baked in. That is the uncomfortable reality the Bible tells us. Creation itself has an inherent corruption baked in. And we're born into it. And the consequence of it is that there's that letter I in the middle of sin, which tells us that we put ourselves first and God and other people second. But the amazing thing is Christ the Bible says, became sin for us. He actually became sin. And the reason why is because he loves us. And so he actually, he became sin so that when God's anger against sin came, and God hates sin because it causes suffering, it causes tears, and ultimately it causes death. That's what the Bible means when it says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, what happens? What's the outworking of sin in our lives? It's spiritual and physical death. Death was never part of God's creation, either physical death or spiritual death. But Jesus became death in order to bring death, sin to death with him, that we may rise to life. And whenever it comes to baptism, Paul says that our old way of life was nailed to the cross in Christ, a decisive end to that sin miserable life. And then he talks about what baptism is. Baptism It's like us going down into the waters, into death, like the burial of Christ, and then rising up to new life with Christ in his resurrection power. And whether we're baptized as a teenager or as an adult or baptized as an infant and then confirmed, the reality is the same. The reality is that it's all about going into the burial of Christ and rising to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's an actual spiritual rebirth that happens, an awakening that happens, a conversion that happens through accepting Christ's death on our behalf. And when we do that, then there is a new thing that happens. And as Paul talks about, we move into a new country, as it were, a new spiritual reality. We come into a new birth, and we're able to sense the move of the power of God. And so it means that in that place, we put everything in the right order, and that brings joy in our lives. And this is the old definition of joy. Well, first of all, we'll have your dead to sin and alive to God. Why not turn to someone beside you and say, you're dead to sin and alive to God. You're dead to sin and you are alive to God. And the result of that is this joy. Jesus first, others second. 
and yourself third. Can I have a volunteer to come up and help me rip something up, please? Great, Judah's going to come up. Brilliant. This is what, come on, Judah, this is what living the Christian life looks like. It is taking something called my agenda. Can you rip that into tiny little pieces, please? Could you give us a, could you do that, do you think? Give it a good tear. That is what happens. He is good at this. Brilliant. Fantastic. That is what being a Christian looks like. Well done. Let's give him another round of applause. Fantastic. Being a Christian is about saying, Lord, I do not want to be the one who's in charge of my life anymore. I want you to be in charge. As the saying goes, if God is your co-pilot, swap seats. So we take our agenda and we rip it up because we know that we are prone to making very poor decisions by ourselves. But what it means to walk with Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you shouldn't be surprised when I say you must be born again because whenever we accept that Christ died in our place, he puts sin to death. What that means is a spiritual birth happens and we are able to hear the voice of Christ in our souls because he lives within us and he says to us, leave that old life behind, that sin miserable life and come with me on a journey. Step into this grace-filled life. I'll give you the strength to do it. I love you. I am with you. I accept you. Every time you fall down, Nigel, I will pick you up. I will help dust you off, and we will walk on this journey together. That's what I discovered since I was 14 years old, that Christ Jesus is always there, and he's always walking on the journey, saying, Nigel, leave that old life behind and step into this new life. And that's where joy comes from in our life, living in this relationship with God and living to God's agenda and not ours. Here's the way Paul describes it in terms of us responding to God's mercy, generosity, and grace. This is what abundant living looks like. Paul says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. <clears throat> Popcorn can injure your health, obviously, at times too. Get the suck in my throat. <clears> throat. To sum it all up, here are three words. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we do the sign of the cross. We do all the boys and girls, sign of the cross, adults. Let's say it together. Give your all. Give your all. We're designed to be passionate people. One of the things I think is so striking sometimes in the world is a lack of passion. And passion comes from having the Spirit of Christ fill us. God is so passionate for you that he gave his life for you. God in the flesh came and was crucified. The trouble with sin is that it leads us to live a grabbing, grasping life that has clenched fists. And it's a miserable life. And it causes misery to the people around us. What Jesus did was he showed us how to live an open-handed life. When Jesus lived among us, 
when he encountered people who were lepers that no one would touch and even their family members wouldn't go near them, Jesus reached out and touched them. Imagine being touched by someone whenever no one has been willing to touch you for 10 years in your life. And then someone comes who you have never met before and he reaches out his hands and he touches you. Or whenever there was food, he blessed it, he broke it, and he fed thousands of people. Or he calmed an angry storm. Or he raised people from the dead. Or he reached out and he healed people. That's what Jesus did for us. And most of all, he opened his arms and his hands on the cross in order for us to be embraced by the love of God. And that you and I would be able to live a life as he lives, not a grasping, clenched fist life, but an open-handed life. The only way to do that is in the power of Jesus Christ. And he's enabled us to live that life by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, those who love their life in this world will lose it. If you play it safe and trust in yourself, you'll lose your life. everlasting life, eternal life, life in which we actually have a new body and a new physical creation, a new physical spiritual reality comes for those who care nothing for their life. If you do that, you will keep it for all eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, Jesus says, because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your generosity and grace. We thank you for the gift of abundant living in Jesus Christ. Lord, we offer you our, ourselves today, all that we are, all that we have, and we accept your invitation. We thank you, Lord, that you died, that sin may be overcome in our lives. We thank you for fixing everything. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we may hear your whisper in our souls, guiding us, teaching us to live a life of freedom and a life of joy. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember the three words we say? Give your all. One, two, three. Give your all. And the next time you eat a nice pop, bit of popcorn, remember how beautiful it is. Remember how delicious it is. And remember that Jesus described his life and death in terms of a piece of popcorn. Absolutely delicious. Let's stand to sing. <laughs>